Uh, last week, I had the opportunity to be um, sharing with the, uh, the uh, uh, reporting about the Dominican Republic trip. We had an awesome time. If you were here for that, um, I'm glad you got to be filled in a little bit on that. For us, when we gathered here really early in the morning on that departure day, Everybody was a little bit groggy. Everybody's a little bit like, uh, I'm not really sure where I even am. This is way too early in the morning. I had everybody take out their passports. I had everybody physically hold up their passports so I could see that everybody had theirs. Now, why would I do that? Why would I be so anxious about making sure that the whole team has their passports? Well, you know, because without your passport, you're not getting anywhere. Without your passport, you're probably not even going to get past the Delta uh, ticket uh, counter, let alone TSA and security and customs and all that stuff. So I wanted to make sure nobody was stuck. I wanted to make sure that everybody on the team actually got to the Dominican Republic. And so I needed to make sure they had their identification. I needed to make sure they had that documentation that proved who they were and where they belong. That's so important for, for us to know who we are and where we belong. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, when we were down in the DR, I, I got to hear a story of a family. Uh, and this family, um, it was a mom, a dad, and two kids. Well, the mom passed away. And the dad was originally from Haiti. He didn't have his papers, he didn't have his identification, so he made the trek back to Haiti. He left his two kids in the care of somebody else in the DR. But the scary thing about that is there was no telling if he was ever going to make it back from, the DR, uh, from, from Haiti to DR to be with his kids. And his kids don't have papers. His kids don't have identification. See, for us as Americans, it's really hard to believe being born and not just having a birth certificate come along with that, not just having a social security number assigned to us, to have, it, to have some physical documentation of our place and our belonging. But that's a reality for those kids that are living in the DR, and they're stuck. The potential for their future is, is way less. I mean, they can't be employed without papers. They can't be employed legally, that is. They can't travel and the hope for their future is so, so narrow. And for us, I think as Americans, we don't really think about our identification. We don't really think about our passports. It's just kind of, those kind of things just come to us. They're easy for us to get. And because we have those privileges kind of built in, it's really, really easy to forget that no, we have a spiritual need for belonging. We have, a, we have a need to spiritually belong. And what we know is that um, knowing who we are and where we belong allows us to move freely toward the best possible future. Knowing who we are and where we belong allows us to move towards the best possible future. And we're free to that. So we're going to be looking in um, Romans chapter 8 this morning. So if you want to turn there and just get to chapter 8, um, we're going to see Paul trying to help us see how essential it is for our future 
to know and live our spiritual identity and our place of belonging. And my hope is that as we, as we work through this text, as we hear the words from Paul, as the Spirit speaks to our souls, that we grab hold of a new and refreshed sense of who we are so we can live toward the best possible future. So what, what threatens us, though? What threatens us from realizing our place of belonging? What pulls or pushes us into missing who we are on a spiritual level? Well, first of all, I think we don't really think about it. We have so much coming to us. We have so much going for us. We don't think about our spiritual need. Or where we belong, just kind of, we'll accept that from wherever it comes from, whether that's from culture or whether that's um, just by chance. Whatever we just kind of drift into, that's where, that's where we belong. If there's any bit of acceptance that we feel, yeah, okay, that's where, that's where I belong. That's who I am. Secondly, I think another thing that keeps us is that we act like we have to earn our place. We act like, oh, if we just muster up the strength, if we just work hard enough at it, if we just become good enough, if we just do enough good stuff, we will eventually arrive, we'll get there, and um, we will have the strength to create that identity and that place of belonging for ourselves. Or what about this? Maybe thirdly, we just don't feel like we belong. Maybe we've been rejected enough times. Maybe we've been kind of pushed to the, uh, to the margins enough times. Maybe we've been told, like, uh, you're just not fitting in. You're not, uh, you're not following the rules. Maybe we've been told that enough times that we just don't believe there is a place for us. But whatever it is, in each one of those scenarios, in each one of those ways of thinking, the problem is sin. The common denominator is sin. Now, okay, you might not like the word sin. That might be a little bit too much of a churchy word for you. Maybe if you're here visiting for the first time, you're like, what, is, what are we even talking about, sin? That's so irrelevant. That's so old school. But no, if we, if we want to truly face the reality of what's going on, we know that sin is, at, is the issue that's at stake. And even if you don't like the word sin, if you, even if you don't like that terminology, you can look around the world and you can see, wow, stuff is really going south. Everything is moving towards death. Everything is falling apart. Everything is eventually corrupting. Everything is getting a little bit looser. Everything is moving in the direction of, ultimately, death because everything dies. Welcome to this positive message this morning. But that's a reality we have to face before we can go any further. We can't deny that. And sometimes it's just easier not to think about it. Sometimes it's easier to just try and do it ourselves. Sometimes it's easier to just give up. But that is why we need the message this morning from Paul so much. Because there's a lot at stake. 
For Paul, he writes to the churches at Rome, and the stakes could not be higher. Let's look at um, verses 12 through 13. So we're in chapter 8. Hopefully you found that there, and we're going to be moving through chapters 12 through 17, but let's just start with the first couple. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, the, the one in your pew is, is our gift to you. You're welcome to take that, um, and uh, we'd love for you to, to have that and, and jump into the Word for yourself. Um, let's look at verses 12 through 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So you see how high the stakes are right away. This is a matter of life or death. This is futures hanging in the balance. This is our present reality at stake. Paul says, live according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. Paul's talking to people seeking to find their identity in a very specific culture, a very specific religious setting, um, with all kinds of systems and, and, and rules and regulations in place to help people find out who they are. But he says, look, there's really only two options. You're either living by the flesh or you're living by the Spirit. It's either slave or child. Now the contrast is made between those two, those, those striving to prove themselves worthy and those who have put their confidence in another. See, the American dream says believe in yourself. You can achieve your goals. You simply have to work hard enough. And as an American, that's just what we do. And many have been successful. We've seen story after story of successes. Bill Gates, Michael Phelps, those Duck Commander guys. I mean, so to suggest that we are going to put our trust and our faith and our hope into somebody else seems strange and foreign. No, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to make something of ourselves. We're going to find our place and create our place of belonging for ourselves. But the reality is our spiritual belonging, it can't be bought. It can't be purchased. It can't be earned by anything that we do. We can't do anything to manufacture out of thin air our passport, our identification papers, our spiritual identity and place. Our performance isn't the solution to the human dilemma of sin. Sin that separates us from our family, our true family, our place of belonging. It would be like attempting to draft up your own birth certificate or your own passport and hoping that that's going to fly with the TSA officials. Can you imagine, like, your handwritten documentation, like, uh, well, here's my passport. See, it says we can't do it ourselves. But the Pharisees in Paul's time, they were promoting the idea 
That, hey, if you just lived a certain way, if you just followed our rules, if you just followed our customs, if you just live by this standard, then you're good. Then you can earn it. Essentially, you had to perform in order to belong. Now, living by the flesh in this kind of way is kind of like taping fruit onto a healthy tree. Can you picture that in your mind? Scotch tape, apple, taped to a branch. It might look good. It might be convincing from maybe a little bit of a distance or temporarily, but eventually, that's not going to work. Eventually, if we're not plugged in, if we're not connected to the source of our nutrients, of our life, it's going to fall apart. And we're going to rot. The focus for the Pharisees and the focus sometimes for us is on the fruit. So we just go about taping fruit to branches. And we focus on the fruit rather than focusing on the source, rather than focusing on how we are going to be plugged in and connected to the source that's going to give us life. So the question is, have you thought about your spiritual belonging lately? Has striving to be good enough on your own resulted in genuine freedom and vibrant, joyful living? Or does it feel more like a charade, fleeting, with fleeting results, like taping fruit? Like, yeah, maybe you're singing the right words, but you're not in tune. Let's look at verses 14 to 15. Let's keep going here. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Wow, there's another guide. Other than the flesh, there's another guide that can direct our lives. And this isn't dependent on our performance. And Paul's making this strong contrast between flesh and spirit, child and slave. He's saying, it's not this, it's this. It's not this, it's this. We're not slaves but sons. We see it's the security and the leading of the Spirit that allows us to live as sons and daughters. In the Spirit, we can be sure of our belonging. Now look, we don't cry out, Abba, Father, unless the Spirit's already doing something in us. It just doesn't happen. And we can take that as a sign. If we are crying out to God already, if we're asking spiritual questions, if if there's something in our minds and in our hearts that's a little bit different than it's been before, I guarantee you, I can guarantee you that the Spirit's already up to something in your life. If we've made the leap, though, from flesh to spirit, then we're in the Spirit, guaranteed. And look closely how this works. Look back, look back here, it says in uh, verse 13, says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you, 
put to death. It's almost as if Paul is saying, hey, you, you have to take an active role in your life. You have to put to death the deeds of the body, the sinful deeds of the body. You need to take responsibility. You do it. But then look what comes next. He says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God, that's a passive role. That's, hey, uh, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to trust in the Spirit to set my uh, compass direction, to lead my life. And I'm just waiting for Him to lead, and I'm going to follow. So there's two, those two components are essential. And the Spirit of God says to those being led, you are God's child. And a child knows who they are and where they belong and anticipates a future that's safe and secure. They can face challenges with confidence knowing their identity and belonging isn't in question. So the other day, my family's on a road trip and we've got, we've got five kids under the age of nine, so that can be kind of exciting at times, right? As you can imagine. So, and, you know, when you have a six-month-old, um, they can get a little bit squirrely after a few hours in the car, being strapped into that car seat. And that was exactly what Lucy found herself in and the rest of the car found themselves in. She was upset, and she was crying. She was letting everybody know about it. And you know what? My daughter, Amelia, my other daughter, Amelia, came up, was sitting next to her, trying to play games with her, trying to entertain her, get her to stop crying. And it worked for a little bit, but then the crying started to escalate and build, and the decibels were higher, uh, ears started bleeding a little bit. And finally, Amelia just said, Dah! I can't do it! I can't do it! And Catherine immediately said, it's okay, it's okay. Just go to the back of our 15-passenger van, <laughs> lie down, take a break. Our, our van, we call our, our van Clifford now, so um, <laughs> as, the, as after the big red dog. So um, there's plenty of space to spread out. She goes to the back. But then minutes later, minutes later, she comes back up and is next to Lucy. She says, I'm not going to give up. Hackets, don't give up. <laughs> and so she stuck at it because she knew who she was. She, knew, she knows who she is as a hackett. She knows that, hey, this isn't what we do. We don't give up. We just keep on, we keep on pressing through. We keep on persevering. And because she had a strong sense of who she was, because she was secure in knowing that, hey, we're going to love you no matter, matter if you get Lucy to stop crying or not, she could say, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I think she actually said, Hackett Packets don't give up. Um, so, and you, you know that if, if you know who you are, if you know you're, you're secure in your belonging, that opens up so much for you. So what does knowing who you are do for you, personally? What does it mean to belong? Where is your confidence coming from 
And where is it taking you? What's on the horizon for you because of your place? Doubt, fear, anxieties, they are all real things that we have to face. Those are all real challenges that we face in this world. But with our spiritual identity proven, we are free to move unrestricted, courageous, wherever he leads. So the question is really, have you received the spirit of adoption that sets you free? Let's look at verses 16 to 17 now. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Man, we're heirs of an incredible future. And heirs of an incredible future understand that they don't have to work to achieve their place of belonging. They work and they strive and they suffer but not to prove themselves, but because they've already been proven. See, Paul knew frustration. He knew isolation and he knew suffering. He was stoned, imprisoned, beaten, left for dead several times, shipwrecked. But why didn't he give up? How did he keep going? Well, he had found his place of belonging and he wanted others to find their place of belonging too. And he made it his life's mission to preach the gospel with his life and with his words. He wanted others to find their place in the family of faith. Now, to find your place of belonging in the Spirit doesn't mean you simply let go and let God. You're still going to work. You're still going to build relationships. You're still going to build stuff. You're still going to keep on pouring into people. And living out who you are in the Spirit. But when those things let you down, when the relationships fail, when the work, the project you're doing at work is not successful, and when stuff that you might be able to convince yourself is where you belong in your faith starts crumbling down, you will have a place of security. Because you wouldn't have placed your sense of who you are and your place of belonging in things that could change in an instant, that could evaporate at any moment. But you have placed your faith in something unmovable and unshakable. So what does this look like? How do we live like children of God? Now, I you guys are all good Christians, so you've probably never been pulled over. But for any, anyone that you that have ever been pulled over, you roll the window down, the officer comes up to your window, and he says, what, license and registration, please? Those are horrible words to hear as a driver, by the way. And what do you do? You reach for the, your credentials out of the glove compartment, and you produce your identification so that he knows who you are, and he knows where the ticket's going, Right? But as a church, as a people, 
what are the credentials that we're pulling out of the glove compartment? The world is waiting, the world is watching to see what's going to be those marks that identify us. And I think, sadly, in the past, we have kind of a history of pulling out some different credentials than maybe our Heavenly Father would want us to pull. We pull out our stance. We pull out our party line. And we forget to love other people. We forget to live out the fruits of the Spirit. And so what I want to suggest this morning is that's what we need to be living out, the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22-23 says, But the Spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when, Let's think about it for a second. People can't see our theology. They can't see what we believe. But they can see the fruits of the Spirit, they can see how we live our lives. So are you seeing the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? We're not perfect by any means, but if we follow the Spirit, we should see these actions growing into our lifestyles. For instance, real simple example, if I know I'm entering a situation where I need a bunch of patients, I've done both of the... Like, if I just clench my fists, grit my teeth, and you know, I'm going to muster up enough, pati- enough patience to not lose it here, I don't, usually ha- I don't usually find much patience. That's usually not successful. But if I know I'm going into one of those situations, I can pray. I can be in prayer. I can say, Lord, Holy Spirit, please come. Give me some patience. I know I'm going to need it. I can be praying throughout that interaction for patience. And then I'm looking less at that fruit. I'm looking more at where it's coming from, where the nutrients are coming from, and where the source of that patience is coming from. Not leaning into my own strength, but leaning into His. So are you seeing the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Living these out is hard. I'm not trying to make it sound like that's easy. It's going to involve effort, and it might lead to suffering. That's what Paul says right, right here in the end. Last verse. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And Jesus went to the cross all the way to death for the sake of responding to sin because he had faith and confidence in the Father's plan. He trusted our Heavenly Father. He trusted God with the plan for our future. Jesus knew who he was and he believed that God's plan was worth even suffering for, even dying for. The future we're living toward and the story we belong to if we found our place in Christ and are being led by the Spirit is so much greater than our successful career. So much greater 
than the size of our house, the maturity of our 401k, or even the maturity of our kids. There's a far better future. And the president of Voice of the Martyrs uh, mission organization, Cole Richards, reminds us of that future. If you're wondering what that future is, he puts it so well when he says, much work remains for us on the world's mission frontiers by God's will, that his saving gospel will reach the ends of the earth, must surely come to pass. The vision recorded in Habakkuk 2.14 and Revelation 7.9, which tells us respectively that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And people of all nations, tribes, tongues, peoples, and, uh, and tribes will worship in heaven's throne room. Those are definite future realities. Each of us should earnestly seek to play any role we can in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and counted an honor when we must make sacrifices to do so, or when we have to suffer in order to do so. That's the glorious future for those led by the Spirit, those called children of God, and we can strive to make it our own every day. It doesn't have to wait until some distant time in the future. That future can begin now. So who are you? If you're really honest, who are you? Are you your family, your work, your house, the economy, marriage, education? As I said before, all that's broken. And we're being called to so much more, so much greater. Fear can cause us to say in our hearts and speak with our actions, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to stand out. So I'm not going to live who I truly am. But children with the spirit of adoption handle fear differently, handle adversity differently, handle challenge differently. They don't walk away from the chance to identify with Christ's suffering. They don't muster up a little more belief in themselves and try to be better or be stronger. As children, we are freed to use our resources and tools for the sake of loving and caring for our neighbors and helping to clarify someone else's identity that they might come to receive the love of Jesus, their true identity, and the best possible future. Do you know that there are kids and families and parents in this community that don't have a strong sense of who they are? that don't have this sense of belonging. And maybe they've been expelled from school and they've been told they just don't measure up. Maybe uh, they've been isolated by pain or loss and loneliness and depression is all but consuming them. Or maybe pressure from mom and dad has convinced them they aren't worthy of being loved and accepted in the family. Man, I hope that you'll find security and freedom and joy this week as you consider who you are and who you belong to. I hope you'll see fruit growing exponentially and, and you're, as you're held by Him. I hope the Spirit would lead you to people who desperately need to know they are loved and there is a place for them to belong.
the only unbroken, unfailing, unmovable place of belonging is found in Christ. And if you're led by the Spirit, you know the best possible future is ahead for you. Even if it isn't going well. Even if family stuff is tense, a relationship just fell apart, health has failed, our place and our sense of who we are comes from Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who connects us to a dad that will never let us down. A dad who holds out his arms and offers us life. As a daddy myself, I get the chance to show that to my kids. To let them know I love them. To let them know they have a place. I have the chance to show that love and acceptance to my lovely wife, my coworkers, my friends. A taste of that belonging. Even when that love doesn't come back. I can still persevere because I'm leaning into something else much stronger than me for my sense of me. This is why knowing who we are and where we belong allows us to move freely toward the best possible future. Now, if you're here today and you're sensing the desire to belong, but you kind of are lost and you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, we're talking about spirit, we're talking about sin, some uh, deeper topics, but you're feeling something, please don't ignore that. Don't ignore what the Spirit might be leading you to this morning. And it might just be a simple conversation, maybe with Greg or with me or one of the other elders. Please come and seek us out. We want to talk more about it. But if you have found your belonging, if you've found your belonging in Him and you're being led by the Spirit, be open Be open to the deep feels. Be open to whatever is going on in your heart. Preach to yourself daily that there is no better place to live than inside the family of God as children of God. Then go out and live into the best possible future as a child of God. Let's pray. Lord God, let me, let us live in the confidence of your testimony to our hearts. Guide and strengthen us by those deep feels and the unmistakable love of God, the evidence of our true home, our true place. Lord, let me not only know my place because the Bible tells me so, but let me also feel my place as you speak to my soul. Let us feel our place of belonging here as we're led by your Spirit. As our family, as our belonging is confirmed and reconfirmed time and time again, Lord, let the fruit of your Spirit also be a witness to my Spirit. Please prompt me Please prompt us to love and let actual fruit abound. Help our confidence rise and see that this fruit is made possible by by you and only you. With a heart that's full and confident, let us act like yours today. Let the fruits 
be our tangible witness. Let the Spirit be our witness that passes all understanding so that we can live out our place of belonging as your children. Lord, come and be present with us. Help us to live in love as you want us to, as you desire, as you make it possible for us to. And help us to constantly be reminded of our place. In Jesus' name, amen.